Hey, Cloudcast listeners. Before we get to the show, we want to talk to you about today's sponsor, Datadog. You already know that Datadog is a real-time monitoring platform that unifies metrics, logs, and distributed request traces from your cloud containers and orchestration software. But did you know that Datadog is great for your Kubernetes environment as well? Datadog's new cluster agent streamlines data collection from large container clusters and allows you to auto-scale Kubernetes workloads based on any metric you're already collecting with Datadog. To start monitoring your Kubernetes clusters, Sign up today by going to datadog.com slash cloudcast. Sign up for a free 14-day trial. Try out Datadog with your Kubernetes clusters and get a free t-shirt. So if you want to get more better performance, better visibility out of your Kubernetes environment, go to datadog.com slash cloudcast and try out a free 14-day trial and get your free Datadog t-shirt. And now onto the show. Cloudcast Media presents from the massive studios in Raleigh, North Carolina. This is the Cloudcast with Aaron Delp and Brian Gracely, bringing you the best of cloud computing from around the world. Good morning, good evening, wherever you are. Welcome back to the Cloudcast. We are coming to you live from the massive studios here in Raleigh, North Carolina. You know, obviously, if you listen to the show for a while, you know that we love going out and talking to uh, new companies, companies that are kind of uh, blazing new new areas in technology and and you know, around the whole cloud native space, we've seen a lot of involvement um, in the infrastructure space. We've things like containers and Kubernetes, which we've talked about. We've talked about serverless quite a bit. But one of the areas that's still sort of emerging, um, and is always uh, takes some time to emerge because uh, developers have different opinions on things and uh, different things they like to do, is really the the experience around developing for cloud native. And so, very very excited today to have uh, to have Eric Rauder, who is the founder and um, executive chairman of a new company called Pulumi. So Eric, welcome to the show. Great to have you on. Thanks. Thanks for having us. So I um, want to get started with you. Uh, you know, for folks that that aren't familiar with you, um, you've got a, a pretty long and robust history in the tech industry, but give folks a little bit of your background and, uh, you know, ultimately what what led you to want to start uh, Pulumi and, and get in get involved with the space? Uh, yeah, so I, I worked at Microsoft for uh, a little over 25 years. Uh, we, we have a half hour, uh, show. So I think if, uh, <laughs> I spend, I'll spend one minute on each year and, uh, sure. kind of stop for time. There you go. Uh, no, I, I, uh, I really, I got to do a lot of different things, um, at Microsoft, mostly on the system side. So I started before we had a networking business and worked on, uh, networking stuff. Um, I worked on databases. Um, I worked on the creation of Visual Studio. I worked as Bill's TA for a little bit. Um, I um, created the server and tools division, which was a lot of fun. Um, then I ran research for a little bit. Then I ran business development for the company. So, so even though I had uh, one company, I sort of had a, a few careers um, inside the uh, inside the 25 years. But definitely, the the most fun I had was was working with developers. Um, and so, you know, I knew, uh, you know, when I went through my life change and and uh, decided to leave Microsoft, both kids are off at college. Um, I knew I would do something in the developer space, uh, you know, because I enjoyed the, working with the community. It was a lot of fun, um, you know, both technically and, and uh, I knew some people in the space. So I'm glad we got a chance to do that with Bulimi. For folks that might go out to the website or something, you know, you look right on the front page, the stated goal is, is essentially create, deploy, and manage modern cloud applications and infrastructure. That's a pretty broad, uh, pretty broad statement, but it also, you know, potentially... Um, you know, covers a lot of areas that people do today with with various tools and so forth. Give us your sense of, you know, what are you trying to solve first and foremost, and then, um, you know, like how broad do you do you really want the you know, kind of the Pulumi technology to expand into? Yes, I think it's. I think that really is the the right um, slogan. I think um, you know we we you know 
sort of used to think about infrastructure and apps as, as sort of separate things. Mm-hmm. Um, and you sort of, you can't do that anymore <laughs> in a cloud architecture and in, in any distributed system really where there's, you know, latency between things, you know, you need to think about them together. And, and um, you know, when Joe and I were incubating in his basement, um, we actually were incubating a cloud application uh, and when it came time to sort of do some back of the envelope calculations for what do we take to deploy and run at scale, you know, we sort of looked at the, the tools that were available to, to do that and to run that um, uh, cloud service. Um, and, you know, both of us were familiar with, you know, what was going on at Microsoft with Azure and certainly AWS, and we'd all looked at Google. Um, but there certainly was a lot of room for, um, for improvement. And so, you know, the first thing is, is you know, Google Meet loves developers. We sort of come from a developer background. Um, and the creation of cloud native applications really was just was too hard um, in certain ways. And I think part of that is, is you know, people had separated out a lot of um, important information into YAML files. Uh, and just the, the tooling just was not great. So, um, you know, we prototyped um, using cloud formation and, you know, when you when you start to read documentation and says best practices to cut copy these sections of files, uh, you know, without componentization, uh, you start to realize like there there might be a better way to do things. So I think that the first you know stated goal on you know, helping people create better applications, um, I think is important. And really, you know, the sweet spot really is helping developers um, do that. And we do that in a couple of ways. I'm sure we'll get into the, the details a little bit more. But, um, you know, we do that in part by letting developers use the tools and languages that they know best. Um, we do it in part by creating, um, you know, sets of libraries that allow developers to work at different levels of abstractions. Um, we allow developers to create and share their own abstractions. Um, and then as we moved into, you know, sort of the, the management you know, one of the things we realized was a lot of the tools sort of created these artificial gaps um, between developers and, and DevOps teams, even when the, the teams kind of shared a, a single management infrastructure because the tools, you know, sort of demanded, um, you know, their own, you know, special tooling, whether it was a domain-specific language um, or, you know, sort of nobody could look at, you know, a, a 10,000 line, you know, cloud formation file and sort of understand what the change was that we were doing you know, we realized that that it was really important to, to help these people work together. Um, you know, we we interviewed probably more than 25 companies before we even got started um, in earnest on Pulumi. And, you know, the number of people that told us, well, you know, we, we sort of found a working configuration and we just don't let anybody change, you know, any of the BBC definition, period, because <laughs> we're not quite sure what would happen. Right. Um, and so, you know, helping teams, you know, work together, um, with tooling, with the ability to sort of see um, what you're doing, um, with the ability to sort of, you know, uh, add, you know, role-based access control to key parts of the application that you don't want people changing um, was super important. And then I think as people move away from simple deployment and management tasks into more complex tasks, I think we heard from folks that they wanted help, you know, managing security, managing policy, um, managing, you know, uh, uh, cost, you know, seeing uh, performance statistics as well. And, you know, the, uh, the key technology behind Pulumi really creates this resource graph that allows us to expand, you know, not just from creation and deployment, but also into management and very sophisticated types 
of management as well. So, so that really is our mission: is is to create, deploy, and manage cloud ops and infrastructure. You know, we love developers, and it's sort of our primary audience. But uh, you know, increasingly, you know, what it means to be a developer and what it means to work in DevOps um, and helping those those roles sort of come together uh, is important to us as well. Yeah. So, so if I'm if I'm if I'm understanding you right, like as you said, you went out, um, you did your own research, but you talked to a, a number of companies. And it, it sounds like the feedback that you were hearing, and it's, this would make some sense, where people said, look, you know, the world doesn't lack for tools. There are there are tools that are out there. Um, but in some cases, these tools, uh, you know, have been around for a little while. They weren't necessarily designed originally with, with cloud native in mind. So there are, you know, there are plenty of sort of infrastructure as, as code tools, automation tools, some things that are natively built in the clouds. Um, but maybe they don't understand containers or or uh, or serverless or some other stuff that's sort of evolved over the last four or five years. And you guys really feel like there's a space where if the tools are more purpose built, and like you said, they've, they've got better awareness of, um, you know, not just deployment of some artifact or some code, but also awareness of, of the infrastructure, the interrelations between teams. That's really kind of where you guys feel like there's a need for a next step around these, uh, these capabilities. Yeah, I think I think you just start to decide where you want to add value in the chain, right? And so, you know, developers love certain parts of their tool chain, right? Uh, you know, people love either tabs or spaces. People love their editors. People love their favorite languages. Um, and we had to really decide, you know, where did we want to add value? And you know, we, we sort of decided, you know, it probably wasn't in a you know a different you know representation of you know floating point numbers. Um, and, you know, people had good language constructs that were extensible, um, that had tools for componentization, that had tools for managing packages and package ecosystems and ways to do, you know, security. Um, and the, the great thing about the, the tools chain is, is pretty much everything is extensible. Um, and, you know, you know, Joe and, and Luke had both spent, you know, huge um, chunks of their career, you know, building these extensibility points. Um, you know, Luke built some of the most uh, popular extensions to VS Code. Um, Joe and I worked on, you know, key parts of Visual Studio. Um, and so the, the key was figuring out what the right um, extension points were um, to let developers comfortable, you know, within their tool chain and, and you know, target the new task at hand, which is basically this new, um, you know, cloud native infrastructure. Um, and so we focused, you know, in, in part on, um, letting people be uh, expressive in natural ways. So you could actually, you know, create a Lambda by writing a Lambda, which is kind of a radical notion at the time, rather than, a, you know, sort of uh, YAML comments. Um, and not just writing, but also, you know, how we enable people to hook up key events, um, you know, to um, abstractions, um, and how we let people, you know, um, take prescriptive, design and architecture that's being done by the major vendors and sort of auto-encode it into their applications. And so partly that's by libraries that we provide and it's partly by um, you know, libraries that the, the, the ecosystem and, and our user uh, groups are doing. Um, and that's one of the great things about being open source and, and you know, having a, a large user base that, that can contribute. Right, right. Yeah, and, and you know, looking, looking at the technology, it, it very much feels like you try and 
um, you know, take those things, like you said, that, that can be complex that, that you want to hide some of the complexity for. So, you know, Hey, I want to interact with AWS, but I don't necessarily want to know about all the things that just becomes a, you know, AWS cloud library, or I want to interact with, uh, you know, some service that just becomes, um, you know, I want to interact with that container. Uh, so it, it does feel like it's much more of kind of a, a natural language is not the right word because that has a, a, a direct, you know, permutation, but it, it does feel like you're able to say, this is in theory, what I would like to do with it. And the libraries and the technologies kind of come back and say, yeah, that's the way you would talk about this. Um, the details are sort of, uh, you know, as libraries should be sort of hide the complexity behind things. Yeah. I think we, we had a, a philosophy early on that, you know, we had to let developers access, um, the technology at, you know, what, what we call the raw layer. Um, you know, it's it's great to add value for opinionated layers, but you know, if uh, if AWS exposes a property, you can get at it using Pulumi. We're we're not a PaaS. We're not going to um, you know sort of hide things from you. If you need to set a property or or call an AWS function, you can do that. At the same time, you know, we can add value by doing you know AWS specific libraries or Azure specific libraries um, that let you you know. Um, focus on, you know, common tasks, whether it's just hooking up a simple, uh, you know, Docker container, uh, you know, into your ECS infrastructure uh, or whatever it is. Um, we can reduce things that were, you know, formerly, you know, tens of lines of code or hundreds of lines of code into few lines of code. Um, and then the, the, the other thing we noticed at the same time was um, not only were people moving to the cloud for the first time, but multi-cloud was way more important um, than we we thought, um, you know, first before we set out to talk to users. And I, I think it's still gaining in importance. You know, people have sort of seen the playbook. They don't want to be locked into a single vendor. Uh, and, you know, people want the, the freedom um, to sort of mix and match clouds within tasks. Um, and even in some cases, we talked to startups where, you know, they, they might be born in the cloud and cloud native. Um, and, you know, there's still a role for, for on-premise architecture. Uh, and hybrid architecture, and especially now with Kubernetes, um, the ability to write an application and actually, you know, either run it in the cloud on, on Kubernetes or run it on premise using Kubernetes, that's another important abstraction that we introduced. So we, we sort of have the, you know, the raw layer. We've got the, you know, slightly opinionated layer for how to use these things. And then, you know, at the highest level, the multi-cloud layer, which we use our abstraction to get the most flexibility. Gotcha, gotcha. Can you talk a little bit about, um, you know, uh, what parts or how much of it uh, you mentioned are, are open source, and then maybe a little bit about um, you know you made you made a statement about you know we let developers keep using the languages they want um, as opposed to maybe some some domain specific. So maybe talk a little bit about you know how much or what's open source, where you're seeing the community contribute, but and then also maybe just touch on some of the language uh, I guess agnosticness of, of how you go about doing this, so people aren't having to learn a completely new DSL. So the, so the core of Plumi is, is all open source. Um, there, uh, there's a backend service that provides a, a nice uh, UI on top of um, the product, um, and that, that part is uh, unique to Plumi. Um, but the CLI, the API, the core engine, um, all of that is, is open source, and, and that's actually served us fairly well. Um, we've actually had you know pretty solid help from the community on uh, – you know, adding, you know, key additional clouds. We've had contributions um, that enabled us to target OpenStack um, and VMware um, as well. And so that, that decision looks pretty good <laughs> in retrospect. 
And then, you know, sort of building on that, I so the, the language providers um, are also um, documented and open source as well. So we sort of, um, you know, out of the gate sort of decided to, to uh, support TypeScript, JavaScript, um, Python, and Go, because those were uh, the most okay. popular uh, languages um, supported by the folks we were talking to. Um, there's community effort now that um, that added .NET support, uh, which is kind of neat. It's uh, interesting, you know, seeing C sharp is a little bit interesting, and then you kind of watch some F sharp examples of uh, immutable infrastructure <laughs> in kind of a an interesting way. Right. Um, but again, it just shows that, that developers love the tools that they love, um, and you know, when you work in a dev team, um, you can mix and match these things as well, which I think is another um, important aspect. Yeah. So the uh, the extensibility points are all there. The the core is all open source, and, and um, you know the community has been great. Honestly, whether it's adding key features or you know bug fixes or examples or um, you know adding their own packages is something that we've started to see, and I think we'll we'll see um, increased um, contribution over time as well. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, the, the the .NET stuff probably brought back some some old uh, old memories for you there. You obviously, you and your team, like you mentioned, have a bunch of experience having dealt with developers. Uh, you know, having done it quite a bit in the past, having built ecosystems and tooling around it. Um, how do you? This is sort of partially a question for for how do you, how does Pulumi go out and succeed, but also you know something that that's probably useful for anybody who has existing environments and are trying to figure out how to evolve, like what are some of the, the tips and tricks that you've found in terms of trying to get developers to kind of, you know, move towards things that are, that are more consistent, right? It's, it's, it's hard to get them to, like you said, uh, they've got different opinions on, on a lot of different things from uh, how they code to their IDE to all sorts of stuff. Like what are some of the things that you've found, you know, work, uh, to get developers to realize like, oh, okay, the, the benefit of this change is worthwhile. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's worth looking at these tools. You know, how much do we have to maintain legacy stuff? I, like just kind of what's the thought process in terms of building consensus around developer communities? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think, I think one, we're sort of blessed when working with, you know, technical communities in that they're pretty articulate about what they want, <laughs> yeah. what they like and, and what they don't like. And right. so, um, you know, the, the DNA of the team is, is made up of a lot of people who've worked in the space and who are good listeners um, and good practitioners. And, and, you know, that's the first thing. So, so you know, if nothing else, I want to make sure I give a, a shout out and a, and a thank you to, to all of yours for being so articulate. The second thing is that, you know, when you, when you think about asking people to adopt something new, I think, you know, kind of a rule of thumb I used in, in uh, you know, in my career is, if you want to adopt something new, think of it as being at least 10 times better, whether it's 10 times more expressive or 10 times more secure, 10 times easier to use or 10 times, uh, you know, 10 less the amount of code that you need to write. It, it sort of should be a threshold. If you want to really ask someone to adopt a new way of doing things, that really should be an order of magnitude better. Otherwise, you really need to work with toolets. Um, and I, I think that's really important. I, I think that you know, there's parts of Plumy when we ask you to use a new library, we really do think that it's, you know, 10x better than uh, than what you're doing today. But we realize not every application can be Greenfield, right? We need to coexist, uh, you know, with people's cloud applications or, you know, with, uh, um, you know, people's heritage, you know, inside of corporations potentially. Um, and that's one of the reasons why when we started, we sort of, you know, we, we did not say, okay, we're, you know, cloud equals serverless or cloud equals containers or cloud equals VMs, we decided to embrace 
you know, everything that was part of cloud architecture. Um, and it, it also influenced how we thought about, you know, language composition as well. And so I think really those two things, focusing on people's pain points um, and trying to deliver really order of magnitude improvements. And then, you know, when, when we weren't trying to, to innovate, making sure that we could integrate, whether that means supporting your favorite editor, uh, whether it means supporting your favorite notification mechanism, uh, whether it means supporting your favorite management tools or consoles. And you sort of see that, you know, in the product, you know, like, you know, Pulumi has a console. It's great. It's great for searching. It's great for unifying logs, but the items in our console link back to the AWS console or Kubernetes management or the Azure console, uh, you know, because people are, have a certain familiarity and kind of, you know, customized views and, and ways of, uh, you know, finding things and searching for things. And, and it was important that, um, that we coexisted. And so I, I think really those two things are, are kind of the hallmarks of how we think about it. Yeah, no, it makes it makes sense. Um, I want to ask you one last question. You guys have been in the marketplace now for a little while. Um, you know, you're you're talking to either prospects or, or customers. Have you found, in terms of, uh, you know, obviously companies have sort of software supply chains. They've got mechanisms for deployments and and you know how their dev team intera- interact with their with their ops team. Have you found certain patterns have emerged yet in terms of, um, you know, some of the the places where where Pulumi is is getting kind of the most traction early on versus them saying, oh, well, we left certain things in place uh, and we worked around it. Is that emerged enough yet to where people, you have a sense of, uh, yes, this is, this is working early on and then it expands things like that. Yeah. I think we got, um, you know, a little bit lucky in that, you know, we, so we've been around sort of two years and, and sort of um, the, the adoption of containers has certainly, you know, c- continued at a, a fiery pace. Um, and we sort of see the, the playbook um, in many ways, you know, as people move workloads to VMs. Now the acceleration to containers um, uh, is accelerating, and, and we were able to innovate uh, in a couple key ways there. I think um, in part we let people sort of um, use containers in many different ways. So whether it's, um, you know, letting people use ECS or, or changing, you know, with one line of code, being able to use Fargate, and sort of, you know, blur that line between containers and, and serverless, uh, or the fact that now, you know, the, some of the orchestration battles, you know, sort of seem to have settled around Kubernetes. Um, making Kubernetes easier to use, I think, is really important to developers. It's really important to our growth. Um, and whether that's sort of standing up, you know, raw, you know, Kubernetes on your own or using some of the managed uh, Kubernetes um, services from, you know, the, the key vendors, um, that sort of played um, into our trend uh, as well. So we definitely see the, the container adoption and how people think about um, those things, um, you know, in their, in their cloud-native um, architecture decisions and sort of things that Pulumi is great at, <laughs> sort of intersecting in a, in a really nice way. And certainly when you look at our um, future investments, it's definitely continuing to make you know, uh, containers easy to use, and certainly, you know, in Kubernetes, whether it's, you know, again, managed or your own, or even, you know, on-premise, um, making that super easy to, to use. Um, there's a lot of concepts uh, in Kubernetes. Um, and again, you know, the, the beautiful thing about, you know, libraries and componentization and encapsulation, uh, we make Kubernetes a lot easier to use than sort of starting from scratch. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. That's uh, that was definitely a big thing at, at KubeCon this last year, and, and definitely something that uh, as more and more people are trying to get developers onto Kubernetes, figure out what's the best model for uh, you know for getting them to interact with it. Should they know a lot about the underlying stuff, like you said, or do you abstract that more and more? That's definitely a space that. People are interested in they're um, they're seeing a lot of benefit from Kubernetes, but they're trying to figure out you know how do I how do I make it even easier? So definitely uh, an, an interesting space and a, and a space that's um, you know going through a lot of change and people questioning um, you know how do we how do we make this better? The technology is powerful. How do we make it better? So with that, Eric, I really want to thank you for for uh, for the conversation this afternoon. Um, real quick for folks that uh, you know want to learn more about about uh, about Pulumi, um, you know what's the best way to to engage with the, your team, to engage with the technology, and, and maybe maybe see you out at one of the events here uh, in the springtime. Yeah, so certainly you can go to Pulumi.com and uh, find us there. Uh, you certainly can engage with us on on Slack or Twitter. Uh, you, our handle is uh, at Pulumi Corp. Um, and, uh, you, you know, however you find us, we welcome you to the community and, and look forward to talking to you soon. Yeah, very, very cool. Well, folks, with that, I'm going to wrap it up. Uh, I think, thank you again to Eric for the time today. Uh, definitely an interesting area for folks, especially as they're building new applications and trying to figure out uh, ways to get better developer productivity out of it. So with that, uh, we're going to thank everybody for listening, for telling a friend, and for rating the show on iTunes. We will talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to The Cloudcast. Please visit thecloudcast.net to find more shows, show notes, videos, and everything social media. 